Hey, welcome back to the Schoolhouse Shoutout after a uh, brief month and a half long hiatus. Um, article we're covering today is testing the zero-sum game hypothesis, an example of school health policies and practices and inequalities in educational outcomes. This was published by researchers from Cardiff University in the May 2020 edition of the Journal of School Health, my favorite school health journal. Okay, a little bit of background on this. Um, we know that health and education are, you know, linked um, and they're often patterned by socioeconomic status. Charles Bosch illustrated this in a bi-directional triangle of health, education, and poverty. Um, and he was actually cited in this article. Um, and a lot of folks will see health promotion as a distraction in the school environment. Um, that's a belief, obviously, antithetical to mine. Um, and a lot of emerging evidence shows that health improvement uh, can actually benefit health and attainment educationally. Um, additionally, other research suggests that students from poor backgrounds feel more connected to schools that prioritize their well-being. Uh, the aim of this study was to explore the role of embedding health and well-being in schools on socioeconomic inequality effects in educational attainment. The methods they used here, they used uh, the equivalent of free and reduced price lunch um, as a proxy for socioeconomic status. Then they looked at um, attainment, curriculum, policies, student and parental involvement, partnerships, organizational commitment, and overall um, health embeddedness um, throughout this. Now, the methods are boring, so let's just jump straight to the results after a word from our sponsors. Hello, uh, today's advertisement is for Big Dave's Emporium of Ties You Shouldn't Wear to an Interview, here to help you with all of your non-interview tie needs. First up, this cute little number. If somebody is staring and wondering whether it's a pheasant or it's a grouse, then they're probably not listening to your interview answers. Over here, okay, duck stamps are great. Most people assume that I collect stamps based on my personality. I'm actually more of a rare coins guy. Um, but there's just too much going on with this tie for an interview. Okay, up here, we've got a bow tie with fly fishing lures on it. Bow ties are almost always a no-go, but especially when it's got fly fishing implements on it. Not, not for interviews. Okay, this next one has the American flag, the Declaration of Independence, and the Holy Bible. Those are three of my favorite things, but I wouldn't wear that tie to an interview. Okay, next up, we've got a cute little uh, Winnie the Pooh tie with heart-shaped balloons. There is never an instance in which you should wear this tie. Okay, next up, we got a combo pack. So, we're all quite aware that the Grinch stole Christmas, but you will not steal the show with these ties. Next up, we've got the perfect tie. Never mind. We've got this one. As a rule of thumb, if you're wearing anything with bells on it, change before you go to an interview. Next, we've got the perfect tie for going to church with your grandmother two weeks before Christmas. Not for an interview. Okay. Minnie, sorry, Mickey and Pluto are great. However, this is not a interview appropriate tie. 
Okay. Dogs on bow ties. Very cute. However, cute's not what you're going for. Okay, next up. A lot of you folks like the University of Michigan, um, but I'm just going to let you know right now that this tie is so tacky, you could catch fruit flies with it. Okay. Here we've got a bow tie with skull and crossbones. Okay. The only time you wear a bow tie with skull and crossbones is if you're a toddler and your parents are rock stars. Okay. Um, and last but not least, sports ties are fun. Uh, but not for interviews. And so if you wear a sports tie, um, you're all but guaranteed that it won't be a touchdown. It won't be a home run. And lastly, it will likely not be a slam dunk. So come on down to Big Tave's Emporium of Ties that you shouldn't wear for an interview for all of your non-interview tie needs. All right, so results from this study. Um, they found that in K3, KS3 schools, which are ages like 11 to 14-ish, uh, they saw an association between health variables and attainment and attendance in high free lunch schools, uh, but not in low free lunch schools. And then there were no associations for uh, KS4, which is ages 14 to 16 attainment, uh, which really refutes the zero-sum game hypothesis. Um, because it you know, really shows here that having these health priorities didn't take away from educational attainment. Um, as far as the discussion section goes, there were two quotes that really stuck out to me. First, interventions that include environmental change components have been found to be more cost-effective and less likely to create inequities in health than purely educational interventions. So schools looking to uh, have interventions, um, having environmental um, interventions might be a, uh, a good thing to look at, um, especially as, as you probably look for more than one avenue. Um, and then a second quote, the importance of school involvement has been noted with the extent to which students feel involved in the school decision-making process and staff-student relationship quality associated with better health outcomes. Um, and so uh, that's something important to consider, which I'm going to talk about a little bit more in implications for school health. Um, so they had an impressive implications for school health section. Um, so they came up with a few um, suggestions um, for what should occur in schools for uh, effective health improvement activities. First, uh, physical education in the curriculum wherever possible. Um, and it should be delivered in a variety of formats and subject areas. This could look like um, macro and micronutrients in a science classroom, um, nonfiction reading in an English classroom related to uh, physical health, um, and then health across the curriculum wherever possible. Um, having a school health policy across a wide range of topics uh, to include food and fitness, um, drugs and alcohol, mental health, suicide prevention, um, and violence against girls and women. Um, student involvement in developing health improvement policies whenever possible. Parent involvement in health improvement policies wherever possible. Um, if you've got a school health committee, a WISC team, whatever you call it, um, then you should have students and parents on that. Um, the, the evidence pretty overwhelming for that. Um, and then also have practical support for that level of engagement. Um, so that might be um, things like offering transportation or um, you know, reimbursing for 
um, bus fare, uh, where that might be, where that might be relevant. Um, informal informal partnerships. Um, so have community partnerships wherever possible. Um, schools that um, use the community school model. Um, I'm thinking of uh, those that are happening in New York City public schools right now. Um, they they do quite well. Right, so form those partnerships, um, and then prioritize key health and well-being issues, um, and that priority really needs to come from senior management. So um, I know one day when I'm a uh, principal or, God willing, a superintendent, like school health is going to be a major priority. Okay, um, so that's the article. As always, a quick shout out for. School health shout out. If you want one of these really cool stickers for free, just let me know. Um, and we'll make that happen. I'll send it to you. All right. Thanks for watching.